0: Me welcome, please clap, scream, receive. Apostle, pastor, doctor, Lewis Wimbley. Come on, clap, friend. Oh, come on, lift up your voices and give him a shot of praise said lift up your voices come on for 30 seconds forget about who's sitting next to you these are they who have been through hard trials and have washed their robes hey Oh if you have the Holy Ghost. I want you to take 30 seconds and begin to pray on the Holy Ghost. Come on. Oh, there the Yes, 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 yes. Come on, open up your mouth. The Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, come on, that's it. Open up your mouth. Oh, lifeline, you're about to triple in size. Come on, open up your mouth. I said you about the triple. I saw the walls knocked down. I saw the balcony expanded. Oh, come on. The Lord says, will there be anyone that will prepare for overflow in this coming year? Come on. Come on. That's it. He only responds to the sound of hunger. He only responds to the sound of hunger. Oh, come on, that shit begin to fill those wells. Oh, Oh, I'm looking into destiny. I'm looking into destiny. I see the hungry. Hey, I see the hungry. <laughs> come on, that shit over your mouth. We came tonight for overflow. We came tonight for encounter. all around this place. Lift up your hands all around this place. Yes, 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 yes. For the Spirit of the Lord says that there was coming to this house an anointing to lay ordinary hands and experience extraordinary signs and wonders. For word will spread throughout this community that blind eyes are being opened and people who have been given incurable diseases. I see an unusual uh, 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 amount of people with like uh, autoimmune diseases and people who have difficulties in their bodies. And the Lord says an anointing is coming to this house that will defile science. Oh, you're going to be known as a house of healing. The Lord says, you've been restoring families. You've been restoring marriages. Now you're about to restore limbs. He says, you've been restoring families. You've been restoring marriages. Now you're about to restore blood cells and white blood cells and and people that only got one kidney. God says that an unusual cloak of glory is about to cover this house. And if you would jump into the river, God says, I'll take your ordinary hand. And I'll do extraordinary miracles. I wish I had somebody that believed it. Lift up your voices and give them glory. I said, He's going to take your ordinary and make it extraordinary. Oh, come on, somebody, shout in this place. Oh, oh. And I prophesy to you, man of God. Oh, that a fresh grace of wisdom and revelation is going to begin to bubble up on the inside of you. And the Lord says, doors that were closed in your faith. He says, you thought you were going down one way. And God says, I had to allow things to happen to redirect you. For know that in this hour, I'm going to give you retroactive pay. Oh, I sense, I sense frustration in the spirit. Usually what that means with apostles, let me help you apostolic people, when apostles are frustrated, it is never because of sin, it is because the walls haven't been broken down yet. Because apostles build from the inside out. Whereas evangelistic people build from the outside in. Apostles want to build structures that can house thousands. And I prophesy to this man of God that new keys are coming to his hand. Woo! I don't know what you all are believing for, but I heard this phrase, the delay has been rebuked. And God says delay is over in 2019. No more delay for Lifeline. No more delay. If you're going to get the building, get it. Hey, if you're going to drop the record, drop it. No more delay. The Lord says, I give you suddenly. Come on, open up your mouth if you believe it. Hey. I show a release in this place. If you want it, lift up your hands and get it. Oh. oh, Father, so I pray tonight for this apostle, this gift. Oh, God. Oh, Father, I pray. I don't know what's in your heart as it relates to education, but there's a grace for schools that's coming to Lifeline. And this is if like you're going to have to have your church, your services is going to have to be inside of a, of a school for a season. For the Lord says that you're about to bring you to a place. I see educators. I see principals. I see a deal being made with the CPS. uh, where you're coming to the alderman and you're saying you don't have to shut this building down. Give it to Lifeline. We'll create Lifeline Academy and we'll create Lifeline School of the Arts. And we'll create Lifeline School of Business. The Lord says that he's going to give you wealth in strange places. Woo! And so I pray even now, if you're an educator in this room, your business owner, the Lord says your gifts are going to be pulled on in this season. For there's a mantle of ownership coming to Lifeline. I know you're comfortable here, but the Lord says this is not the end of where you are. I see a school. I don't know what it means. I see a school. I pray that schools will come into this man of God's hands. I pray that schools and universities and every contract, book deals and promotional deals and travel time. I prophesy divine strength to his body. Oh, come on, stretch your hands to your leader. The Lord says, I'm giving him strength in this season. For anybody that would pioneer needs supernatural strength. I come against spirits of fatigue. Oh, you backlash devil. You devil with an arrow in one hand and a flower in the other. I bind your works. Woo! You want to give him a flower with one hand and throw an arrow in the other. The Lord says, I'm revealing secret enemies in this season. And God says, I'm going to show you their true colors. Oh, somebody lift up your voices right here. To be revealed eyes have not seen <laughs> ears haven't heard neither has it entered come on somebody lift up your voices be revealed be open be seen let them reveal it in the body name oh oh hallelujah You may take your seats in the presence of the Lord oh God we thank you we bless you this atmosphere is so fake. I feel prophetic ministry. I feel like the Lord wants to really awaken some people. and it's almost as if like the Lord says, if you're going to have a year of advancement, you're going to have year to, it you're going to have to deal with the Spirit that is trying to harass your harvest. And for it seems like many of you all will get to the brink of something new. And here comes the spirit that will harass your harvest. I heard the Lord say, increase your giving. For I'm about to cause devourers to be rebuked in front of your face. Many of you all, the Lord challenged you to do something in 2019 He told you to do something in 2019 And you've been wrestling with your faith You've been wrestling and you've been saying, God, is this you? The Lord says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer right in front of you And when the enemy will come, when locusts would come When the palmer worm will come, when the ankle worm will come The Lord says, I'm going to break his back right in front of you And the very thing that tried to harass you God says, it's going to be your elevator the very thing that tried to bring you under. God says, I'm going to use it as an escalator. The very thing that tried to bring your harvest under subjection. The Lord says, it's going to be your elevator. Be lifted in this season. Oh. oh, God, we thank you. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you. Oh, Father, we thank you. Let's keep going. Let's go to the word tonight. Lord Jesus. Let's go to the word. I want to go to Acts chapter number 12. And I want to deal with something. The Lord has given me a message. I believe it's for the body of Christ. It's for the next generation. It's for leaders. It's for those who feel the call of God. Uh, Let me help ministry gifts in this room. You never find a message for the moment. You preach what's in storage for your life. You never find a message for the moment. When I was a young teenage preacher, I grew up on the west side of Chicago, so it feel good to be home. I might go to Uncle Remus after this, but never mind. Okay. See, I, I can talk stuff now. I'm on the west side. Yeah. When I was a young preacher growing up in the city of Chicago, we preached by way of bus and train. I caught the green line. I caught the red line. We had no car. I lived on Maypole in California. we we'll catch the green line all the way. All the way to the south side. And and one of the things the Holy Spirit began to convict my heart about was when it was time to minister, I was looking for a message and messages started running out. And the Lord said, preach your assignment. Preach the mandate that's on your life. Preach the thing that I've been doing to you since you were nine years old. And I stopped trying to find a message and I started preaching my life. And I'm telling you, there's coming a day where preaching typical, topical, shake your neighbor, slap somebody, high five, quick and jerk and all that stuff. I'm telling you, it's going to lose its power over the next generation. If you don't have no substance, you're going to be ineffective. If you don't have anything stored up in prayer and intercession, I'm telling you, your ministry is going to flop. I'm telling you, the next generation wants to see the dead raised. And you can't raise the dead playing church. Woo! Ooh, I'm telling you there's a mantle the Bible the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Samuel the scripture says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days because there was no open vision and so whenever the body of Christ has closed vision the word becomes rare in other words the word of the Lord becomes scarce and hard to find so that means what is everyone else saying is the word of the Lord why is everyone else prophesying and saying this is what the Lord is saying when Samuel said that the word of the the lord was rare in those days because there was no open vision let me tell you something in order to raise the church the body of christ to a level of supernatural signs we have to have open vision john said i saw him i was in the spirit of the lord on the lord's day he says and i saw him there is no open vision and therefore the word of the lord becomes rare and scarce and this is why we don't find our identity Woo. but God is raising the mantle and lifeline he's causing this church to go deeper and deeper and deeper I'm telling you I saw manuscripts and trainings and people coming here saying teach me how to teach prayer teach me how to teach my church fasting and apostle don't be struck and don't think it's strange because I really believe you're going to have churches shut their churches down and come under lifeline and they're going to say I don't know what I'm doing but the Lord told me to bring my people here for a season the Lord told me to bring my church here for a season it's because the apostolic grace always draws other gifts to the house and one of the worst things that can happen and I'm not this is not a word of the rebuke this is just a word of just preparation one of the worst things to happen is for God to shift the senior leader to shift the senior leader him his family his wife for both of them to shift and the people that follow him for years don't catch it can I tell you something you don't qualify for the next move because of your track record You don't qualify for the next move because everybody know you and you've been here for 25 years and you sat on the fourth row for 28 years. You don't qualify. I'm telling you, there's coming a no-dame generation. There's coming a left-handed group that pulls their dagger on their right thigh. There's coming a generation that was not raised in this thing of church and all they want to see is Jesus and him manifest it. And if we don't catch the shift, we're going to miss a generation. If we don't catch the shift, we are going to miss what God is trying to send us. Let me tell you something. Don't throw away what you don't understand. The worst thing that can happen is put people in front of people and put them over people in ministry that don't have a clear vision or understand that the next group that's coming may not look like where I come from. And so what we do is because Mephibosheth can't walk, we leave him in the house. Because David is in a field with sheep and dung and all type of stuff around him, we don't call him in to be anointed. But the Lord says, I'm not going to sit down till you bring a divinity generation. For the oil of God doesn't flow on those who look like they deserve it, it only flows to the people that's been preparing in private oh, that's what's happening in the body of Christ that's what happened in the body of Christ the Lord told me, he said, son, I'm going to restore your name in your city, I'm going to bring you back home, I'm going to bring you back to your city and what I began to do, I told my wife this, and you know what I did, I didn't try to find messages to preach, I began to trace what God did in my life, Father, what did you do in 2018, what did you do in my life in 2017, many of you all are trying to find the prophetic word when God is saying the word has been your journey all along, stop looking up and start looking within, the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world your greatest testimony is not going to come from the mouth of a prophet your greatest outpour is not going to come from driving across town to some revival if you would just stand still and see the salvation of God God would show you miracles and signs and wonders and he would show you that I've been there the whole time is there anybody here that can say God I'm not going to move until you show me what you've done in my life oh let's go to Acts chapter number 12 Acts chapter number 12 verse number 10 uh, if you give me if you give me about uh, okay, this, I don't need that much time I'm not going to be long I promise if you give me about 25 minutes I'll be done and we'll minister and we'll pray with some people because I believe God wants to activate this house for supernatural signs pay attention to the shift whenever God shifts the house number one he shifts the sound your worship goes to another level you are not in a shift until the sound changes And so when the sound changes, that's an indication that something is about to fill the room. Can I give you scripture? The Bible says, and on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was what? Fully come, there came a sound of a mighty rushing what? When? Listen to me. In order for the Holy Spirit to shift the body of Christ, he has to shift the sound. This is why Paul said to not be moved by every wind and sound of doctrine. The Bible tells us that he gave us the gifts to establish us. Some of us are too moved by the sound. Do you know the entire temptation that the Hebrew boys and Daniel were under? One of the temptations was to get them to dance to the sound of Babylon. The word Babylon means confusion. The enemy wanted them to dance to the sound of confusion. And they refused to dance to that music. Because they knew if they lined up with the sound, they would follow the rhythm of the nation. And God is saying, is there anybody in the body of Christ, in the nation, in Chicago, that can say, while the world is dancing to one be father, lead me by the still water.'" and take me where you've never shown me before and show me what the ancient path is the Bible says he that finds the ancient way let him walk therein God is looking for people that will say show me the sound you want me to live by Ooh, your rhythm is the problem Ooh, your frequency is the problem it's, it's, not, it's not your gift you're gifted, you're talented you can start a business on Monday and then take off by July the issue is what frequency are you tuned into The further you get out of Chicago, 1390 starts to sound staticky. Because frequencies was made to be close in proximity. So if I am disconnected from the heart of my leader, I don't have this frequency. This is why Jesus had to take out of the 12, three that could catch the frequency of his heart. The 12, it was no knock against the 12. He loved the 12, but they couldn't catch the frequency. So he shows up, he shows up to a home where a daughter has been said she's dead and the Bible says everybody is laughing at him because he says out of his mouth she's not sleep, she's not dead, she's only asleep because the frequency of heaven is to never see you in a dead position. The frequency of heaven always sees you alive. This is why Jesus never saw anyone sleep, dead. He never saw them dead. He only saw them sleeping. So they started laughing at him. They started laughing because the world laughs when they can't hear the frequency. The world laughs when they don't know what frequency you are following. And so you want, they want you to go do this and you tell them, no, I'm not doing that in this season. They can't hear the frequency. They can't hear the frequency of your faith. It's why Noah started building an ark when everyone else was just living their life casually because Noah heard a frequency. Whenever you tune into the frequency of heaven, you hear better. If you can hear it, you can speak it. If you can speak it, you can obtain it. This is why faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. It's because hearing is a sign of frequency. Your freedom is in a frequency. Your deliverance is in a frequency. Your marriage is in a frequency. And if you don't tune into what God is saying, oh, if you don't tune out the noise from around your life, you will live your marriage. You will live, you will lead your family, how your mother did, and how your father did. And the very oath you made in your heart, you said, I'll never be like my parents. But because you did not change your frequency. Let me give you an example Let me give you an example The Bible says that Solomon's kingdom Falls to a young man by the name of Rehoboam Rehoboam takes over the kingdom The Bible says instead of Rehoboam Seeking out wise counsel Instead of him going to men like Reggie Royal And Pastor London Royal He goes to guys from the block Because he wanted to impress them Rather than be led Whenever a generation ignores fathers, it's because they're trying to show off their their trophies to their peers. So Rehoboam ignores fathers. The fathers told him, let me tell you something, Rehoboam. Your father was hard on him. He was hard. But let me tell you something. If you lift the yoke off of them, they'll serve you. They'll follow you. They'll honor you. They'll do this, that, or the other. And the Bible says Rehoboam went to his boys. He went to the block. He said, what do y'all think I should do? They said, let me tell you something. You need to increase it. Give them scorpions. Beat them like they are matter of fact, take everything from them. And the Bible says he listened to his peers and it cost him the kingdom. Because frequency always will cost you something in your life. you'll date the wrong person. You'll move to the wrong city. You'll go to the wrong job because you heard the voice or the frequency of the wrong tribe. When he hears his peers, the Bible says that the kingdom splits under him. I'm not even in my notes. When the kingdom splits from Rehoboam, out of the split, there comes a man who is not connected to the family. And he inherits a piece of the kingdom. And his name is Jeroboam. The Bible tells us that he feared that Israel, watch this, watch this, that Israel would wake up to its senses and go back to the house of David. So in order to capture them in their freedom, he created a fake festival. He said, I don't want life lifeline to wake up to its true potential. So let me put a bunch of fake voices around them. Let me put a fake festival. Instead of having a festival on the 8th day, he has it on the 15th day. Instead of doing it the way God says to do it, Jeroboam created his own system of church. He knocked the real thing. Jeroboam leaders copy the real thing. They make everything up. They create a counterfeit because they don't want to loose you to your true purpose. And you'll be shocked. Oh, I don't know why I'm going this way, apostle. You will be shocked how many people are leaving the house of Jeroboam. They're tired of the fake. There are no manifestations in Jeroboam's church. Only smoke. Only mirrors. Only fake festivals. There are no healings. There's no signs. It's only hype. And so what's happening in the body of Christ, people are saying, when are we going to see the manifestation that David walked in? You cannot see it if you don't change your frequency. You would tap into the business anointed on your bloodline if you changed your frequency. You would write more songs if you changed your frequency. You would travel the nation if you changed your frequency. Who are you listening to in this season? Oh God, you got your phone open to everybody's podcast. You got your iPad open to everybody's notes. And you don't know what to do because you got your frequency tuned to everything. But if you would just narrow in Can I give you a secret of how you can narrow in your frequency? Fasting and praying. The Bible says that in Matthew, in Mark chapter number 9, there's a boy who has a demon and he can't, no one can cast this devil out. The disciples can't do it. They cast it out. They did the Lord's prayer. They did the sinner's prayer. They threw blessed oil at him. They threw all type of oil at him, And nothing came out of this boy. And the Bible says Jesus doesn't even talk to the demon. He talks to the father. Because if I'm going to free a generation, I cannot come to their frequency. I got to come to where they come from. He starts interviewing the father in front of the son. If I'm Jesus... I'm going to talk to the son instead of the father. But he asked the father, how long has he been like this? Ooh. When did it start? When did it happen? Because Jesus wants the father to refocus his frequency. Don't look at, don't look at the manifestation. I want, I want to do a track history with you. He takes him down a bloodline trail. When did it start? Because if I'm going to give you a miracle, I got to trace the origin of when the problem came. Hmm. So he walks him down memory lane, and I can see the father saying, well, you know what? When he turned four, it's when he started convulsion at the mouth. But when he turned nine, that's when he started throwing himself in the fire. And Jesus, the Bible says, the last time the boy fell on the floor, Jesus extended his hand to the generation, and he lifted him. And the Bible says the boy came to assistance. When Christ extends his hand, he extends his authority. He said, he told him, he said, behold, I give you power so that you may lay your hands on the sick. When Christ extends his hand, he extends his authority. His authority changes your frequency. Can I tell you, you're listening to too many people. Can I tell you, you're reading too many books. Can I tell you, you're watching too much Your frequency is distorted You don't even know your identity You keep changing your vision You keep changing your focus You keep changing your appetite You like red one week You like blue the next week You like downtown next month You like New York the next You're all over the place It's because you haven't tuned in your frequency You will not see results Until you measure your frequency Why am I going this way? You know why? Because there are destiny holders in this room The future is in this room The future, the next season for lifeline is in this room and you have to measure who has your frequency. I don't know about you, but I made a vow to God that I'm not going to listen to any voice. I'm not going to listen to any voice. I'm not going to listen to people that's going to speak ill of what God spoke to me. Let me tell you something, the frequency of heaven always sees you alive and not dead. If the frequency you're listening to is telling you that your marriage is going to fail, it's telling you that you can't go back to school, it's telling you that you won't be successful, you are listening to the wrong frequency. When Jesus is born, the Bible says King Herod loosed a frequency in the air. He told the wise men, when you find him, bring it to me. He really had an agenda. Because you cannot always sense agenda from a distance. You have to draw near to hear the frequency. Something don't sound right. Something don't sound right in this heart. Let me tell you one of the things God is judging in this hour. He's judging the house of Levi. Because Levi is a reflection of the frequency of a house. Intercession is a reflection of the frequency of a house. And so when God begins to raise a church to the next level. Watch what begins to happen. Language becomes very important. You can't speak against what God is saying in this hour. You can't speak against what God has said over this house. Are you with me? Let's go to Acts chapter number 12, verse number 10. I want to read one verse, and I want to show you something in Scripture. The Bible says this, so Peter, I'm reading a New Living Translation, if that's okay. Oh, let's start at verse number 9, I'll, uh, I'll do nine first. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision, he didn't realize what it was happening. Verse number 10 says this, when they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate. Everybody say the iron gate. They came to the iron gate that leads to the city. Notice the iron gate is blocking them from leaving towards their freedom. All right, let's keep going. Which opened to them on its own accord. No one hit the on button. No one hit open. It opened on its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. And immediately the angel departed from them. I want to highlight one phrase out of here. Which opened to them of its own accord. Opened to them on its own accord. I want to share with you from a few moments. Release the gatekeepers. Do me a favor and just look at someone close to them. Look at someone close to you. And tell them this. Tell them, say, neighbor. Say, neighbor. Everything you went through, God wanted to release the gatekeeper inside of you. We are in a season in the body of Christ where there is an enormous amount of transition. I want to first give you the condition of what I believe the gates of the city or the gates of the body of Christ. Are you with me? I believe there's a lack of emphasis on the importance of prayer and fasting. There's a lack of emphasis, we emphasize uh, the gifts of the spirit, we emphasize the activities of the kingdom, but we don't emphasize the engine that produces us all. If the gifts of the spirit are the activity, prayer and fasting is the engine. And churches who spend more time on the exterior of their church instead of the engine will run out of fuel. They will run out of momentum and they will become a yesterday's ministry. But if you would stay on the cutting edge of prayer and fasting, God will give you the engine that you need to break into the future. Are you with me? So without intercession, the church functions from a carnal place. We lose the importance of his presence We ordain false leaders. We ordain people who really don't have the heart of father. Let me tell you something. In prayer movements and in prayer revivals, God raises significant gifts. And this is why revival is so vital to the body of Christ. Revival is vital because it shows you who was hungry and, who sh- and it shows you who came for the show. Usually the hungry will make the sacrifice. But the people who came for the show will leave when they feel like nothing's happening. But those who are called to a house, revival will reveal them. Ooh, what your ministry, what your business, what your marriage is missing is not ideas. We can give coffee mugs away all we want, but if there's no revival, revival raises significant gifts. Are you with me? Uh, Let's move kind of quickly because I want to get to a major point. Uh, Let's go to number two if we have the presentation. Let's talk about the purpose of the gates. Let's talk about the purpose of gates. Uh, One of the things God does in the body of Christ uh, is he raises men and women who stand on what I call the gates of the city. And so it make it, don't think it to be strange that you're sitting in lifeline. Uh, I believe lifeline is turning 12 years old. I may be mistaken. Uh, 12 is a governmental number. And one of the things God does in the body of Christ, he raises a leader or a group of people to become gatekeepers in the body of Christ. And I believe lifeline is a symbol of that gate. You have been stationed on this side of town to be gatekeepers of this region. Whenever God purposes a gate to be in a region, he does it for a few things. Are you ready? Number one, he does it because gates are tools of protection and hedges. Whenever there's a gate in the city, divine protection fills the streets. The issue that we have in Chicago is that our gates have become broken. So we can walk the streets and pray and throw oil and throw all type of stuff. But if we don't focus on the restoration of the gates, we will never see true divine hedges. Oh, let's keep going. Let's keep going. i want to keep going. All right. Gates also unveil new voices. Gates unveil new voices. For example, in the city of Chicago, it was ministries like Valley Kingdom. It was ministries like Living Word, uh, uh, Bill, uh, Dr. Bill Winston, gatekeepers in the city. And out of those gates, we met men and women like William Murphy. We let men, uh, men and women like Shekinah Glory, mighty men of God, mighty gifts of God. Because when gates are in its proper place, major gifts come out of those gates. And so if God is going to change lifeline to a gatekeeper, some of you in this room will become major significant voices in the body of Christ. You cannot be a gatekeeper and major gifts don't come out of that gate. Uh, Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's talk about broken gates. Broken gates. Let's talk about broken gates. In the scripture, we find a man by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is interesting because God does not send Nehemiah on a beautiful beauty pageant type of ministry. Nehemiah's ministry is to restore the gates. He is not called to be seen on programs and flyers. He's called to restore the gates of his city. Because when there's a grace on your life to restore gates, it is always, it is not always a glamorous occasion. And you think your destiny is going to be pretty. You think your destiny is going to be beautiful. You think your destiny is going to have lights and cameras. Let me tell you something, baby. Sometimes God will put you in the mud. And you got to build clay out of mud. Sometimes God will put you in the brokest family, the most perverted family. And he's saying, I want you to be the gatekeeper of your family. And you're complaining and weeping and telling my God, why you put me here? Why did I have to be born here? And the Lord saying, if you would see yourself as a gate, you would raise significant gifts. Oh, we have broken gates in our city. When gates are broken, perversion rises gates are the standard of the kingdom gates are the standard of righteousness gates represent the banner of the lord or the standard of the lord so isaiah says that when the enemy shall come in like a flood the spirit of the lord will lift up a standard or he will lift up a gate against him gates in scripture are standards when the gates are broken perversion rises have we ever seen in our day so many perverted leaders that are falling by the wayside? Have we ever seen in our day people that we thought were just just sensational gifts and out of nowhere, oh my goodness, what happened to her? What happened to them? The gates were broken. When gates are broken, we no longer inspect gifts. When gates are broken, we no longer inspect the fruit of the gift of the life of the person that has the microphone. I thank God for men and women in my life who don't clap every time I stand before them. I thank God for men and women in my life who don't clap every time I say something. They want to check the fruit of my life. You have to be careful that you don't give your, your, your affirmation to people that enjoy you and not people that can correct you. Just because they enjoy you don't mean they can correct you. And I would rather be amongst people that will say, I like how you did it, but I don't like how you talked to your wife the other day. If we're going to restore gates, we cannot measure the performance. If we're going to perform, if we're going to perfect the gates, we got to have private conversations. We have to, we cannot, we can no longer just applaud people and let people dance on our stage and let people play our instruments and let people run our cameras and do anything. We have to inspect. Who are you? What are you doing? How you been doing? I see you had a little attitude the other day. Is everything okay? Now watch this. The orphan spirit will take that as rejection because the orphan spirit finds its affirmation in the applause. Uh, the orphan spirit wants you to stand for them, but sons want you to correct them. Yeah. Don't just get, don't just feed me, Apostle. How did you do this? How did you build this church? How did you how did you have such a so many systems and worship teams and greeters and everybody so loving? Sons ask identity questions. Orphans ask for the microphone. Sons want to know, how did you build your family? You've been married 23, 24 years. How did you make it past year five? Sons want to know identity. Orphans just want the microphone. Uh, Because in an orphanage, the children are told to put on their best behavior. And hopefully somebody picks them. The church has become the biggest orphanage in the spirit. We have a bunch of people parading and dancing and running. Don't know who they are and they just want apostle to pick them. And so, when he, and so when he has something on his mind, trying to figure out someone's issue, trying to fix a problem in someone's family, and he may walk past you without speaking, the orphan spirit says, you don't like me. Because the orphan spirit wants to be seen. Whereas sons want to be corrected. Sons want to be raised up. Sons want to be planted. You are not a son until you can say, I'm good. You know, I don't need nothing. How are you doing? I thank God for men in my life who are not impressed by what I do. But they would rather inspect who I am. Because when gates are broken, we will give the platform to anybody that can make us dance. When gates are broken, we become blind to truth. When gates are broken, we will applaud an Absalom. When gates are broken, we will raise up perverted people. And the Lord is saying, if I'm going to restore the gate in Chicago, I got to raise up sons. Woo. I got to raise up people who just want to be with me. I got to raise up people who are not impressed by the stuff. I got to raise up people that say, God, take me where you are. I don't want nothing else. Show me who I am in you. If we're going to restore the gates, we got to raise up sons. Uh, Let's keep going. Let's talk about open gates. Let's talk about open gates. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 12, uh, the Bible says that when Peter is delivered from prison, The Bible says when they made it past the first and second ward, the first and second post, which actually represents in those days, Rome would have a a, kind of like Cook County, how you would drive past Cook County jail and you would see those towers in the corners and there would be people standing in the corners. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord led them past two guards, two posts, and no one stopped them because when you are under an angelic visitation, God covers you from the enemy. No one could stop Peter. He made it past two guards. He made it past two wards, two posts. Nothing could stop him. Those two posts represent the outer and inner courts that God wants to take you past. They represent the moving past of the typical and the carnality. Whenever God shifts the church, he takes you past the post. And this is how you know who's ready for the next level. You look past the post, can you see anybody with you? Can I tell you some of us in the body were too shallow. Some of us in the body, we love the the shallow end. My wife and I went to a hotel, and I noticed this. I noticed this, that when we got in the swimming pool to swim and relax, all the kids came, and all the kids came down to the shallow end, even the adults. But when me and my wife went down to the deep end, I started noticing people don't want to come to the deep because they want to only stand in what they can stand over. But when you are following the deep end of God, when you are crying out for deep, God takes you into something where you have to just trust him whoo i don't know how i'm gonna do this business i don't know how i'm gonna start this ministry but i trust that he's gonna make me flow some of you god is trying to challenge you to get from the shallow end you're too shallow in prayer you're too shallow in your seat and the lord is saying would you let me take you to the deep end oh you can't feel the floor in the deep end. You can't feel what's under your feet in the deep end. The only thing you can trust is that your body is going to lift you above water. The scripture tells us that he lifts us up on a rock that is higher than I. If they're going to follow the spirit of the Lord, you have to be comfortable without feeling what's under your feet. Oh, let's talk about open gates. Is this all right? Let's talk about open gates. Acts 12 says that they passed through. They passed through the guards. And they came to something called the iron gate. Now, in Scripture, in movies, we see something what I call, uh, what they would do, something like, like a, a changing of the scene. Uh, so, for example, on one side of the scene, uh, uh, you got, you got uh, little baby and, and Pookie and them driving down the street in a movie, and they running from the cops. But on the other side of the scene of the movie, you got the family or something like that praying, right? Well, this is what's happening in Acts 12. On one side of the scene, Peter is being led by an angel, and he don't know what's going on. But if we flip scenes... There's another group in a private room praying and contending and fasting and believing God that God would break the chains off of Peter's life. Peter is walking in private intercession. Because what you intercede for in private breaks leaders free publicly. The Bible says he is walking and he doesn't know he's walking in his deliverance. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? I heard my grandfather say this one day that this is not a dream. Your deliverance is real. This is not a dream. You're not daydreaming. You're not in some fairy land. God is taking you through your deliverance and you don't even realize it. The Bible says in the private home, they are interceding for Peter. And he shows up to an iron gate. Iron gates are interesting because in order to open the iron gate, it has to require someone on the outside and someone on the inside. Iron gates are unmovable by natural human hands. In order to, remove, and to move an iron gate in Roman citizenship in the days of Rome, it would take up to two men. Sometimes three men would have to move the iron gate. But when Peter shows to it, the gates open on its own accord. I prophesy over you that the hardest place of resistance, the hardest place of breakthrough, the hardest gate of your life, over your money, over your strength, is going to open on its own accord. You're not going to have to fight for it. You're not going to have to push for it. You're not going to have to beg for it. You're not going to have to ask for it. God is saying, if you will let me lead you to it, I'll break the gates open in your life. Oh, come on, somebody clap your hands and believe God for it. The Bible says that when he shows up to the gate, the gate opens on its own accord. I want to share with you a revelation that the Lord gave me, and I call it the technology of intercession. Intercession has the ability to not only intercept the enemy's plans, but it has the ability to advance the kingdom of God's agenda. Many times we teach intercessors to bind and loose. But we what we do not teach intercessors enough to do is to declare the works of God. Because what we advance in prayer has more strength than binding and loosing. If we spend all of our intercession on binding and loosing without declaring, we are running in circles. We have to tap into the technology of intercession. We have to tap into the future power of intercession. We don't just have to pray that God will break anything open. All we have to do is declare heaven's assignment and heaven's agenda over my family. And when my son shows up to an iron gate, when my marriage shows up to an iron gate, I don't have to spend 45 minutes bucking and shucking and and breaking cords and and, and I I kick the enemy in the neck. I don't have to do that. I spend time decreeing heaven's agenda. So when my son gets older and he faces something that he can't move on his own, my private intercession. My intercession when no one else saw me open up gates. That he doesn't have to push. The reason why you have to push hard. Because no one interceded for you. The reason why the gates are hard. Is because you have not tapped into the gate. Or the technology of intercession. Yes interception, Intercession intercepts the plans of the enemy. Yes. But intercession advances the kingdom of God. Uh, Let me show you in scripture. Anna was a part of the technology of intercession. She told God, I'm not leaving the temple until I see him face to face. When Anna sees him, something advances in the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Hannah was a part of the technology of intercession. For she said, if you give me a male child, I'll give him back to you. And the Bible says she birthed the greatest prophet to ever live. Because intercession advances the kingdom of God. She didn't have to break infertility. She said, God, if you give it to me, I'll give him back. Ooh, she didn't have to bind her haters, she didn't have to bind people, all she did was pray. Heaven's agenda. The problem is, we don't know Heaven's agenda, Ooh. and so this is why we thank God for the baptism and the Holy Ghost because when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Ghost. Begins to make groanings and, 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 and moanings that cannot be uttered. And next thing you know, you're driving, you're at a red light, and Riketel Shokaya starts to come out of your spirit. And what happened? You begin to intercede heaven's agenda. What if I told you the intercession is not for your protection, it's for your whole street? What if I told you God's provision is not just for your last name. It's for the entire block that you live on. Sometimes heaven's agenda has nothing to do with you. And this is why it's so hard to contend an intercession. Because you want to include you in it. You want to throw your children in it, Lord. You see baby now. You see little Mookie. God bless. Get in his mind. And the Lord is saying, you're missing it. You're missing it. Because you're still trying to bind and loose. But if you would decree and move in authority, all things have been placed under your foot. When we got saved, when we got saved, when we entered into the family of God, we didn't just get restored back to Eden. We got restored back to true, authentic authority in Christ Jesus. I told my friends this. I said, I want I said, Yeah, I believe in I believe in the, the 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 promises of Eden. I believe that God will give us an Eden, God will restore Eden unto us. But let me tell you something. If my Eden comes with a serpent again, I'm good. Give me heaven, give me God's authority, give me God's throne room, give me the place where God lives, give me Bethel. Because when God restores you back to where He is, you don't have to fight the enemy. He's already under your feet. Oh, the Bible says that David shows up into a city and somebody is throwing rocks at him and kicking up dust and cursing at him. And the Bible says, they said, David, are you going to say something to this joker? He's talking about you. Can I make it 2019? He's posting about you. He's tagging you and stuff. He's dogging you out. He's showing screenshots. David said, let me tell you something. All he's doing is kicking up dust, cursing, and throwing rocks. I got stuff to do. I got better things to do. Because when you are in the throne room of God, you don't look at what the enemy's Remember, I told you your frequency is the problem. If you are still fighting the enemy, you have not tapped into your frequency. And so, what we do in church is we do the spiritual rabbit chase where we chase him with our tail and we chase him in prayer and we never come to where God is. This is why the psalmist said, Who shall ascend to the hill? Then he gives you the prerequisite, only those with a clean hands and a pure heart. Because in order to tap into the hill of the Lord, you have to be free from Satan's bondage. He says clean hands that represents your transactions. He says clean heart that represents your covenant. Only those who have broken covenant from their hands and transaction from their hands and covenant from their heart can ascend to the hill of the Lord. When you ascend to the hill of the Lord, you see how God sees. Oh, oh, I I hope you understand what I'm saying. So you have the technology of intercession. Lord, help me here. But then again, attached to intercessions technology, you have the force of righteousness. Everybody say the force of righteousness. righteousness. Within the force of righteousness, it is the power that keeps the gates open. Uh, My friend here, can I use you for an example? Uh, And my friend here, can I use you for an example? I want you to just come out to the front so that people can see what I'm trying to do. You can stand right there. I want you to face me and I want you to stand shoulder to shoulder. These two men represent the iron gate. Remember I told you, in order to open the iron gate, a soldier has to give a signal from the inside of the gate to the soldier on the outside. But when God is bringing you through supernatural deliverance, no one has to get approval. He breaks you free because he can. So if the gates are going to open on its own accord, That means that something, and I want you to turn and face each other, something has to keep the gates open. In order to keep the gates open, you need the force of righteousness. Because if power opens the gate, righteousness keeps the gates. This is why the scripture says that I sought for a man to stand in the, and make up the what? Because righteousness makes up the... Whenever God restores a gate, he first restores righteousness. Righteousness keeps the gates open. When God raises up a righteous church... Lord, help me. Lord help me. When God raises up a righteous church, new married couples buy homes supernaturally. When God raises up a, a righteous leader... New marriages, families, sudden breakthrough, debt cancellation, supernatural healing, miracles, they flow freely because righteousness is keeping the gates. The reason, face shoulder to shoulder, the reason why the gates keep closing on you is because you won't use the force of righteousness. And so you have to keep repenting. Lord, help me here. You have to keep asking God. You have to keep saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. Do you know the word repentance and the Greek means metanoia? It means the changing of your thinking. It is not, Lord, I'm sorry. It is, Lord, give me your mind. Saying I'm sorry doesn't open the gates. But righteousness, whoo, oh, righteousness opens up the gates. And now the children of Israel... Can walk through what tried to bury them. And when the enemy comes in, because the enemy wants to ride on your righteousness, the enemy wants to walk through the gates of righteousness. But when the enemy comes in, the gates close. Woo. And so what try to attack you, what try to attack your children the same way attack you. They can't get through the gate. Oh, Oh, i prophesy over your life that the righteousness of God, woo, oh, that the gates of heaven are going to be open in your life and nothing's going to try to close them. Nothing's going to stand before them. Nothing's going to shut those gates. The Lord is going to sustain your gates. Oh, if you believe it, shout hallelujah. Thank you, brothers. Uh, uh, if intercession opens the gate, if intercession is the kingdom, technology, righteousness sustains the gate. Oh, I got 10 minutes and I'm done. If righteousness keeps the gates open, grace keeps continually other gates openly open supernaturally. The grace of God not only opens one gate, but the grace of God opens mega gates. The Bible says that great grace was upon the apostles. The word great there is interpreted mega. So when apostles and churches rise up with intercession and prayer and fasting and righteousness is being restored, mega grace hits a house. And so it feels like every service is revival. It feels like, it literally feels like Sunday morning starts to feel like a camp meeting. Because mega grace was released to a house. Are you with me? And so in these gates, oh I'm done after this, I promise. In these gates you will find God will send you three categories of prisoners. Because Peter is a prisoner first behind the gate. But when God opens the gate, a prisoner walks free. Whenever whenever God restores the gates of the city, He sends you three categories of prisoners. You ready? Number one, you have the prisoners of darkness. Everybody say prisoners of darkness. These are prisoners of Satan. These are prisoners of darkness, or darkness meaning ignorance, okay? These are people who are bound by demonic strongholds. They can't break free on their own. They come here, they enjoy the worship, but they sit all the way in the back, and then when when the word goes up, when an apostle gets up and says, all right, let's go to this word, they do just like this. They're a prisoner of ignorance. They are a prisoner of darkness. They run from the word of the Lord. They run from the presence. Prisoners of darkness are in this category are what I call fallen angels, if you're taking notes. Demons are in this category. Uh, strongholds are in this category. Uh, people who have year addictions and, and generational curses are in, this, are in this category. And when God restores the gate in the church, he will send you prisoners of darkness. Now, you have to know this because if you put the wrong person at the front of the gate, whew, The prisoners of darkness are going to turn around. We got to stop telling people that we were made to be separate from darkness. We cannot be light if darkness is nowhere to be found. We were made to shine in darkness. So you have to guard who's at the front of the gate. You can't have mean Sally and mean Bill at the front of the gate. Are you with me? Can I show you some prisoners of darkness in scripture? King Saul was a prisoner of darkness. The Bible says that when David shows up to his house, the Bible says that he has just killed Goliath. And in the killing of Goliath, they started singing David a song. Because whenever righteousness shows up, remember, the sound changes. And so the sound activated demonic yokes and strongholds inside of Saul's soul. Because he was rejected from a child up. He even says it on the day he's supposed to be king. He said, I come from the smallest tribe, the broken tribe. The most poverty stricken tribe. Why would you want to choose me? On the day Saul was supposed to be ordained king, the Bible says he was hiding amongst the stuff. They couldn't even find him to anoint him. Because King Saul is a type of a prisoner of darkness. Are you with me? Uh, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Cain was a prisoner of darkness. He envied his brother's worship. Let's keep going. Absalom was a prisoner of darkness, for he wanted his father's covenant. Absalom spirits sleep with their father's covenant. They won't plant nothing on their own. They won't build. They can't build anything on their own. So what they cannot build, they can attract. They can pull. They can draw from. It's an Absalom spirit. Are you with me? Jezebel was a prisoner of. Darkness. Because when Elijah killed the false prophets, she wrote a letter to him and said, I'm going to have you dead by tomorrow. She was a prisoner of darkness. Let's keep going. You ready? Uh, Let's go to number two, the second category of prisoners that shows up when gates are restored. Number two, prisoners of hope. Everybody say prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope are different type of people. These are people who are just waiting for God to give them one moment. These are people who are waiting for God to give them one opportunity. These are people that are saying, Lord, you know what? I'm not going to ask for anything. But, Father, if you want me to have it, if you want me to move into this home, if you want me to go back to school, Father, I'll wait for your win. I'll wait for your presence. I'll wait for your authority. I'll wait for your affirmation. And I'm not going to move until you tell me to move. They are a prisoner of hope. They're hoping for their breakthrough. Mm. these are people every time the altar call opens up they run to the altar they're a prisoner of hope they're believing that any day now God's going to give them that breakthrough they're believing that any day now God's going to see everything that's in their life can I show you some prisoners of hope you ready David was a prisoner of hope for David desired to build God a long lasting house He said, Lord, shall I live in this house of cedar and God dwell in a tent? Whenever you want to build God a house, you have to give him something in return. Mm. Mm. This is why God challenges the body of Christ to fast. Because fasting builds God a house. Sometimes your house, your soul is too cluttered. Sometimes your house, your soul is too filled. And the Lord is saying, will you give up something to build me a house? Let's keep going. Abraham was a prisoner of hope. Woo. Hebrews tells us that he was looking for a city that was not made with man's hands. He was a prisoner of hope. He followed God at the drop of a hatch. He heard the voice of the Lord saying, go. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. I'm going to make your name great. And at the drop of a hatch, Abraham became a prisoner of hope. Woo. Oh, uh, Can I talk to some prisoners of hope in this room? Just because it doesn't happen overnight doesn't mean you're not following God. Ooh, just because you don't see it overnight doesn't mean it's not going to happen in your life. Abraham was waiting for God to take him to the next place. Let's keep on. Job was a prisoner of hope. Ooh. Job was a prisoner because he told the Lord, though he slay me. Prisoners of hope well, tell God, no matter what I'm facing, I'm not going to let my pain turn into a problem, but I'm going to turn my pain into a song. David turned his greatest affliction into the greatest song, the greatest downfall in his life. David said, create in me yeah. Whew, a clean heart. When you are a prisoner of hope, you don't, you don't live your life in condemnation. You rise up as a son. Uh, let's keep going Hezekiah was a prisoner of hope Hezekiah was a prisoner of hope let me tell you why and I'm done the Bible says that Hezekiah showed a foreign king a foreign commander everything that was in Israel's house and the scripture says that the Lord told Hezekiah everything you showed him he's going to come and take he's going to take and your children are going to be captive so Hezekiah in his wisdom he started digging God a well he leaves the city and he starts digging a hole in the ground because intercession breaks the fallow ground. Whenever God has you as an intercessor, whenever God plants you in a house to intercede, you are breaking the ground of that house. The Bible says Hezekiah started digging a hole in the ground and that hole was for water to flow from the outside of the city into the inside of the city. For if the Philistines are going to take my family, They can't take my well. So he said, I'm going to build my family a well of intercession. I'm going to build my family a well of water. So that when the enemy comes, he may take my stuff. He may take my family. He may take my money. They may lay me off the job. They may take my car, but they can't touch my well. Oh, let me tell you something. If you're going to lose anything, if you're going to lose everything, don't lose your well. Don't lose your place of prayer. Don't lose your place of intercession. Don't lose your place of promise. If the enemy takes everything, don't let him take your well. Let's keep going. Anna was a prisoner of hope. Last category of prisoners. You have prisoners of presence. Everybody say prisoners of presence. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13 verse 2 that Paul and Barnabas... Was dedicated by the Holy Spirit for a special kind of work. The Holy Spirit said separate unto me. Paul and Barnabas. Because when you become a prisoner of hope. Your assignment, your call, your mandate cannot be dictated by men. Cannot be dictated by your family. The Bible says that Paul became a prisoner of the Lord Jesus because he was riding a horse to foul papers. He had papers in his hand to kill Christians and persecute them. And while riding his horse, the horse represents his pride. Sometimes the beast in your life is your own pride. And Christ cannot speak to the man of God until he knocks you off what carried you to this place. And so this is why the boat has to shake. This is why trouble rises. It's because God is trying to get you to see you're riding the wrong thing. When he shows up to Paul, he says, Paul, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, Paul, why do you persecute the church? He said, why do you persecute me? Let's keep going. Blind Bartimaeus was a prisoner of presence. Oh, he saw Jesus from afar. And he cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. Because prisoners of presence are always crying out for Christ to give them the manifestation that medicine can't do. Your greatest breakthrough is going to come from crying out to God. Your greatest deliverance is going to come from the secret place. You are too busy trying to get God to lay hands on you through people. And the Lord is saying, if you will build me a well, if you will build me an altar, if you will build me something private, I'll meet you where you build for me. God only fills what you prepare for. I said he only fills what you prepare for. You haven't prepared anything. That's why he hasn't filled anything. But encounter digs a well. Encounter digs a well. Lifeline, let me tell you something. If you're going to move into the next place in 2019, you're going to have to seek the Father that God will restore the gates. But you're going to have to cry out that he will send prisoners. Mm. Oh, there's a weight coming on the evangelists in this house. There's a weight for the loss coming on you. Many of you all stop weeping for the loss. Many of you all stop weeping for the hurting. And the Lord is going to place a burden on your heart for prisoners in the world. You're not going to walk past them anymore. You're going to weep. You're going to weep at the presence because God is going to raise up people in this house. This word was not for anybody else. This word was for this house. There's a grace on you to restore prisoners. Yeah. Woo. When they show up to your gate, What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to open your gates? Or are you going to close them? Uh, Are you going to throw them away? Are you going to throw a robe of righteousness on them? Uh, Let's stand to our feet all around this place. I want to pray for you. And I want to bless you. There is an unusual preaching grace. That Apostle Reggie Royal is about to come under. And he's going to literally feel the weight of this. And God's going to raise up strong ministers in this house. Strong teaching ministers. Strong. I'm talking satellite campus type guys. I'm talking guys that can hold their own. But if you're going to be a part of the gate, you cannot become possessive of the gate you guard. The reason why churches stop growing is because secondary and third tier leaders become possessive of the gate that they guard. So, we got to yank your hands off the gate to open them for the people because you want to show the people I've been here. And so, you grip your hands around the gate, you were called to guard, but now it becomes your identity. And we got to pry your hands off the gate because the next generation wants to come in. Whew. I pray, even now, in the mighty name of Jesus. I don't know if you all do three services yet, but I saw you all stacking them up. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, volunteers, ministry leaders, get ready. It's it's going to be, it, it might be a little inconveniencing, just go to bed early on Saturday. Can you handle three churches shutting their churches down and coming here to be under this house? Now, the year 2022, watch my words. Every year, a new leader is going to come to this house. And they might come with five. They might come with 10. They might come with 20. They might come with 50. Can I tell you something? Don't grip your gate. Guard it. Don't grip the gate. Just guard it. I'm not called to my generation to grip the destiny of my generation. I'm called to my generation to guard the gates of my generation. To watch their marriages. To watch how they handle their money. Because I cannot afford for my generation to fail again and again to those who are prisoners of darkness. When you grip the gate, you lose your inheritance. I don't know why I'm going this way, apostle. But God is going to give you grace to guard your gates. And so I pray even now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for an unusual burden for prisoners. Oh they're coming, they're coming chained They're coming yoked up They're coming under the influence Some of them are literally, you're going to literally smell alcohol on their breath But don't despise the alcohol Don't look at the alcohol and count their destiny out Many of them are prophets under disguise And the Lord is saying Will you place your loving arms around the prisoners that are coming through your gate Or are you going to close your gates I pray even now that our womb would be open. I pray even now that the gates of our life, the gates of our ministry, let them be open to the next generation. Let the gates of prayer, the gates of worship, the gates of intercession, let them be open. Oh, a new sound is coming to this house. I pray for money to be released. I pray for contracts to be released. I pray for marketing companies to come. I pray, Father, for an unusual favor in radio and television. I pray even now that a supernatural door will open for Apostle Reggie to be featured on some TV program. I see him sitting on the couch with an influential leader. And I don't know who he's connected to, but I see him on a couch. And this leader is literally letting him tell his story. And by the, every word, a generation is coming. Whew. Every word that comes out of his spirit, another generation runs through this house. I pray that we would not guard, we would not grip our gates. Let us simply guard. them, Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, lift up your hands right here. All around this place There's a grace There's a grace hitting your life A wind hitting your life And the Lord is saying I'm going to have to challenge your selfishness For many of you Cannot intercede long for others As you do yourself But the Lord says In this hour Will you not intercede for the broken Will you not weep For men and women Who are stuck In poverty And systems of control Come on right here Just open up your mouth And begin to say God make me a gatekeeper oh come on say God make me a gatekeeper come on say it God make me a gatekeeper oh God we'll guard the gates we'll guard the gates with prayer we'll guard the gates with worship we'll guard the gates with holiness we'll guard the gates with intercession come on for the next 30 seconds open up your mouth and begin to give him worship come on fill this room father we guard it we guard the gates come on lift it up we got our gates we got the gates with worship we got the gates with intercession we got the gates with fasting come on that's it open up your mouth right here oh God we got our gates God we got our gates oh oh that's it I just want you to repeat after me you ready come on say Lord Every assignment, every soul that I am assigned to, strengthen my gate, strengthen my gift, strengthen my life. Let me have capacity to guard the prisoners. Let me have capacity to embrace the foreign, to love the orphan. In the mighty name of Jesus oh come on somebody open up your mouth right here and just give them glory come on lift that sound that's what's in this house a grace for gates a grace for the gates come on that's it. lift it you're a gatekeeper you're not just doing church as usual you're not just having a usual Sunday but I'm a gatekeeper I'm a watchman on the wall come on lift up your voices right here I'm going to lift up your hands all around this place. I want to share something intimate with everyone in this room. Because in order for a gift like myself to go to the next level, I have to free myself from shame, embarrassment, and reproach. My wife and I were in a season where we were asking God what was next for our life. We didn't know what was next. We couldn't discern the season. Because my frequency was distorted. Whenever frequency is distorted, direction becomes void. So we begin to intercede. We begin to pray. And the Lord opened up a door for us to travel to a foreign state, to another state, another city we had never been before. And so we took everything we had. Am I telling you the truth? We took everything we had in our account. Everything we had in our account. And we took it and we invested in this move, in this ministry, in this move. We went there by faith. We sold everything we had. And we got in the car because we believe God called us to be gatekeepers. I'm a gatekeeper to my family. I'm a gatekeeper to my generation. If no one else wants to prophesy, Lord, let, let the prophetic grace fall on my life. So we went to this conference, we went to this gathering, and we sold. We sold. We sold. No one knew what we did we didn't tell anybody because what God does in your life in private the weight of the next level in your life is based upon what you don't reveal you don't have to always tell people what you did God will give you something publicly what you gave up in private so we began to pray and we said Lord what are you doing in our life we could not discern it let me tell you something supernaturally supernaturally I had about 8 to 10 minutes minister and I minister the word of the Lord and God opened up a supernatural door for my ministry it was supernatural literally we did not force it open remember the gates open on its own accord and a gate opened unto me can I tell you something if you are going to be a gatekeeper you're going to have to sow into the gate you guard you are not a gatekeeper Until you can give the gate that you guard. You are not a gatekeeper. Until God can challenge you. Can you sow. Until the gate you believe. You are called to guard. So we sowed. Not only did we sow time. We sowed into that gift. And we continued to sow. And God broke the gates open in our life. I want to challenge everyone in this room. I don't play money games. I don't. I've been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ since I was 13 years old. I started on a bus. I'm 29. I've been all around the country. I don't play money games. No one knows who I am. I've been in the background my whole life. Money, money does not reveal you. It is your gift to show what you believe belongs to you. So when doors come to me, I don't even put my name there. I put friends there. I tell them, book this person. I tell them, call this person. They call me and they say, Wembley, can you come? You don't want me. I want you to call this person. This is the guy you need. Because I'm called to guard the gate. I cannot take the possession for myself if I'm always taking doors from other people. You are not a gatekeeper until someone else comes through your gate. You are not a gatekeeper until you give up what belongs to you. You are not a gatekeeper until you are willingly saying, let him have it. I'll open my gate. Let him have it. We did that our whole life. And God changed our entire season in a matter of 20 days. In 20 days, God changed our season. I want to challenge you in this place. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to sow until your gate. If you're in this room, I want to challenge you to Give. I don't play money games. I don't. I don't play the whole, you know, two thousand nineteen. Give twenty dollars and nineteen cent. Give two thousand nineteen. If you want to do that, be led of the Holy Spirit to do it. But I want to challenge you to give until your gate. I want you to get something in your hand. All around the room, you're giving. You're watching online. You can give right now online. If you are a gatekeeper, giving becomes secondary. It becomes like second nature. I'm sure they have all types of ways to give. You can give by online. They have an app. You can give in person. I want you to get a seed in your hand. And I want you to believe that this seed is for the gate, the lifeline that's going to become. If you are a leader in this house, you should be giving. If you are a gatekeeper in this house, you should be giving. Giving opens up the gates. Even now, I still give up my gate. Don't call me. Call this person. Don't book me, book this person. I never tell anyone, my wife would tell you. I drop names like m I continually do it all around the world, no matter who you are, because I'm not trying to run through the gate. If I'm gonna guard the gate, I gotta let my wings fly open. I have to let my gate swing open. If you have that gift, I don't know the protocol of Apostle Royal, but if you know the protocol of your house, Those who serve this house, those who give in this house, I want you to stand when you have that gift. That's all right. And I want to bless you and I want to pray over you that every month, what I did not get into in my message tonight, that when Nehemiah restored the gates, he restored 12 gates around Israel. 12 represents divine order, which means every month in your life, God will meet the need. There are 12 gates to the city. There are 12 gates to the year. Every month, the fruit, the leaf will never wither in your life. I'm telling you, I don't know how he does it, but he takes your seed and opens up a harvest inside of your gates. Father, I it on them. Everyone that would give by faith, everyone that is given in this room, let a grace for gatekeepers rise in this place. And being a gatekeeper is more than just having a microphone. Sometimes it's leading the industry and business. Sometimes it's having the greatest hospitality service. Sometimes it's having the biggest business in your block. Whenever God raises you to that level, you become a gatekeeper. Father, I pray for multiplication. Let it hit their life in the mighty name, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus.